Radio on Farside TV. You know what I'm saying? I got my uh, co-host, Jeremy Scipio. Yo. We have uh, OG Tajay Massey. Hey, 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 Massey or Massey? Massey, Massey. I don't Slave name, you know, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Massey, you know, that's, that's what I hear. Yeah. Nah, man. Uh, I had to pull in, uh, you know, last week I had Planet Asia, and then when oh, I was here, yeah. uh, you know what, I, I reminisced so hard on Calicom, I was like, you know what, man, the next man that popped into my mind, who's, because because with, with Asia, I give him so many props, because man, to be an independent artist, and he's constantly making it happen, constantly you see him, like him and Razcash, you see dudes like that that are constantly moving, and then, uh, I only really mess with uh, Instagram. Like I'll post dogs, I'll post food, but I really just hop on it for for the show, for 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 that. And then when I um when I do go on, I see man on top of your architecture career, on top of your other ambitions, you make time for this hip hop. And I was like, man, I gotta pull Tajay on, man, because he got a uh, he got a point of view that we need to hear, man. Appreciate Which, you, man. Shit, we go way but, back. Hell yeah. Yeah, nah, but it, but but the thing is, uh. I'm not saying you're an example because I don't know you like, we know each other hella, but I don't know you like that. But what I will say is you create a cool balance between growth and hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Personal growth in hip hop where I've seen you go to school. Why you was like, man, why you, people don't even know it. Why you was doing this hip hop thing, you and oh, you know what I'm saying? You guys went to school. You know what I'm saying? You, you did more than just uh, be part of this, uh, cult group, the souls of mischief, and the extra extra cult group hieroglyphics. You know what I'm saying? 
And it's a trip because a lot of people, they would look at it like, man, you know what? People like my songs. I'm able to hop on the stage here and there. That's enough. But since I've known you, you've always been on the next step. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, your vision. You know what I'm saying? It's just so crazy. And, and, and I'll say this, and then we'll, we'll hop into the thizzle, but uh, going with Brown to you guys' warehouse up in Oakland, dude, that changed my life, man. Oh, wow. Like, like when I say it changed my life, screen, print, uh, screen printing machines purchased, printing out my back house, till, <laughs> you know, now I got the big, we have the big warehouse, yeah. but basically, uh, Brown had been up there before I had been up there and Brown's story to me was just like, dude, it was just boxes everywhere, man. <laughs> just, just records and t-shirts and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and it's crazy because, uh, it's crazy because it was kind of like, I felt like you guys were doing what kind of like rock bands did, like like the, the rock bands who had kind of learned from the, uh, kind of have learned a little bit from the label. They run through a couple of budgets and whatnot. And instead of you guys just totally relying on the label to do whatever, you guys, um, you guys took a lot of it into your own hands. You know what I'm saying? With, with first of all, having your own office, home base, mm -hmm. uh, getting your own wax press, uh, your own merch. Uh, before CaliCon, it's like, you guys weren't scared to hop on the road. We wasn't scared to hop on the road. Me, me and Ope had a conversation uh, where we said, man, I won't mention no group names, but we was like, dude, guys don't have the stomach for this, man. They, they don't yeah. have the stomach to hop on a bus and then go from yeah. city to, because back then you had to do like 20 shows to kind of make it work. You know what I'm saying? 20, 40, 60. <laughs> yeah. Man, so uh, with all that said, man, I just had to get that on my system, man. That was just something that was that was on me, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm excited I got you on. But tell me this: uh, when was the first time you heard hip hop? Shit, man, probably uh, the message, you know, uh, something like that, you know. Oh no, I mean, rappers delight, rappers delight. I would say, and I didn't, you know, for a long time we didn't know that it was like a whole movement. You know, I, I'm, I was little, you know, I, I was born in 75. So that's what, 82 or something, you know, or 79. I was little, little. Mm. So I didn't really know much about Cold Crush and Busy B and Treacherous 3 and, you know, all, all that stuff that, that I think cats are a little bit older, like Domino or something, <clears throat> knew about. So to me, it was just something that I heard. And it was more like, um, uh, oh, I, this is different. Like, oh, this is different. And I, I, I've been friends with A Plus and Casual probably since that era, you know? And they really the ones who were just like, yeah, this is what we finna do. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I, I'll do it too, you know? For, I mean, I'm fortunate though, it's your friends, you know, a lot of times your friends pressure you to do something negative. They pressure me into doing something. They push me into greatness, you know? And, and I'll probably say since, not necessarily Rapper's Delight, but since the message, We've been serious about rapping, you know? What what age would you say that was? Seven, eight years old. Eight years old? You was, yeah. you was serious about rapping at eight years old. A-plus and casual was serious about rapping. I was serious about doing what my friends did, you know? So I've never been, like, 
it's never been like my dream to be a rapper, but I was around Cat, so that was that that was it. This is it. This is what we're gonna do. And I'm not about to be the odd man out, you know, kick, you know, on, on the kick it, you know, but I mean, that also has translated to me now doing a lot of other things beyond rap or in addition to rap. Um, and and so you know, I'm in a peer group that allows that allow for that balance. But I'm talking about from 83 on A plus focus, like. This is what we're going to do. We got to, we got to go to the studio. We got to, we got, you know, like our first demo, we were probably mm, 11, 12. And then our first demo with like Jinx and all that, we were 13, you know, yeah. recorded down in LA and everything with Sir Jinx and, and Dell and, you know, Cube was first, you know, really bubbling and stuff. So we've been serious for a long time. Like, but, but I'll say, of course, Rapper's Delight would be the, you know, the thing that started off. Nah, that's tight. So in junior high school, uh, who was the hardest group out when you guys were in junior high? Junior high. Ooh, what is that? 86, 86. I, I, so junior high for me was 86 to 88. So that was when, you know, Biz, right? It started EPMD. Uh, Eric B and Rakim, you know, that that to me, the best years I think 88 to me, 88 and 89 are the best years of hip hop, like the the, the, the peak so, thus far. I was so, born 88. Wow, that was a great <laughs> year. That's a, that was a fantastic year. So, I, yeah, I would say, yeah, Eric B and Rakim, EPMD, uh, NWA, of course, you know, uh, whatever else was big, public enemy. You know, that's probably when I got into uh, high school. I think Gangsta Gangsta came out right when I got into high school, like ninth grade. Real real quick to spin the record back. So were you down with Dale at the time that he uh, wrote ch with a children's story or whatever he was doing? With with Gangsta's fairy tale and okay. all the yo-yo, a lot of yo-yo. Yeah, We've been, I've been friends with Dale since elementary school. So before oh, wow. we were even, yeah, before we were even on, but we've been rapping, like we've been into it <laughs> since then. You know, like before, I'm talking about, I remember when Cube was in CIA and that was just like Dell's cousin, like before he was Ice Cube from NWA. Wow. Uh, so uh, why'd y'all name the group uh, Hieroglyphic? So there was a dude who used to go to the same studio as us. And I remember, I think his name was Upstairs, the common denominator. Everybody had a name and then uh, the. You know what I'm saying, though? Del the Funky Homo Sapien, you know, Sophia yeah. the Saucy Nomad, you know, that was just that era. Uh, and his name was Upstairs, the Common Denominator. And he just had this concept of a crew called Hieroglyphics. He, he ended up not using it. Del was like, we'll, we'll use that, you know. But he's real cool. I think he was from England. He was from England. Okay. We used to all go to this place called the Onion Lab. And so that's how we started, really started making our real demos. He had an SP there. And a four track, and we used to get loose mm -hmm. on the SP and the four track. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your your, your symbol too. I, I got I, I got a couple y'all stickers, uh, still from that day. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, the symbol is uh basically we used to be called the Mad Circle, so we were a Mad Face. And Onyx mm -hmm. came out with the Mad Face, and Dub C and them took the Mad Circle. Mm -hmm. And you know who's gonna say something to Dub C? You know, like come on now. Right. <laughs> but but so then uh Dale added the third eye and this mouth and actually if you look in the Dale's first video it had a nose so it was three eyes a nose and a mouth but he got rid of the nose and refined it and ever since his uh his uh 
first record this has been the symbol and, and we found out later it's like a mayan hieroglyph and the line is like a five and the three eyes are i ones so but it's normally this one so normally with the line is uh vertical and three dots so it means eight so if you turn to the side that's an infinity you know so okay, okay. And it also is a symbol that means a harmonic resonance so it has a lot you know it's like a third eye open as above so below like it's not smiling or mad it's just stern face and um right. harmonic resonance eight infinity all those things eight dudes in the crew you know so it it, it turned took on more meaning than we even really understood it i mean you know now you see it on tattoos and you know we hop off airplanes and see it on the wall in different places like it's like fight club <laughs> or something like a secret society yeah. right 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 dude that me knowing you guys i'll say i type i take a lot of joy i mean i've seen like I've seen two far side tattoos. One, uh, we were at uh, Yoshi's, the one that was in San Francisco mm -hmm. before they closed mm -hmm. the big one. Yep. And a dude popped up backstage, man. And I mean, he had Bizarre Ride on his whole back, man. Oh, wow. wow. It, it, it was like on his whole back. And it was funny yeah. because uh, in one way, it's like, dang, you know what I'm saying? That's a lot of conviction. But then another way, it's like, man, he took that very seriously. <laughs> you know, he took that yeah. very seriously. Well, that was, that, was, that was a seminal record for a lot of people, you know? And then yeah. also I've been playing uh, the second album a lot lately, you know, the yeah, yeah. and, you know, all, all that stuff, man. But that time was just a special time, I think. And it was a time that was more innocent. I mean, pre-internet and pre, you know, hip-hop was one family, you know, like, even, even um, across genres, like, you know, NWA, Too Short, Hammer, like, I've been to a concert where it was Heavy D, Grandmaster Fast and the Furious Five, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, NWA and Hammer, same God. stage. And God. I remember Hammer coming out during NWA set and grooving while they was doing the Boys in the Hood or whatever. So rapping with family. So it's a different, you know, it's a different, that time is like the end of those times. And, when, and then when things started splitting off to West Coast, and this is hardcore, this is backpack, this is super lyrical, you know. And so I think it, it means a lot to a lot of people. I mean, especially that, that you know, the, the first album. And then you know, they had the whole artwork and everything. Like, that's just a dope image, period, you know? I was at the Farmer's Market on Sunday. Uh, shout out to Caesar Xanadu, you know what I'm saying? He hooked me up with, uh, the, with the micro, micro greens. greens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He got me on my micro greens, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> a little something extra in there when I, when I spend a little bread. But uh, I saw uh, a guy wearing a fuck shirt. Oh, wow. And so fucked was uh was slick and Dan, which was the collaboration that did the far side uh, album. Uh -huh. And uh, homeboy had a classic shirt on; it was worn and everything. I was like, yeah. dang. And then and one way I wanted to ask him where he got it from, but then I was like, man, just respect the art, man. You see, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You see, he's out here, OG. Yeah. So my question to you is that. Uh, did you guys, when, when the souls got together, what was it that made you guys just want to take the super independent route to every, because like to, to me, you guys were my forerunner into the, like a lot of people could say like, well, yo man, I was under Andre Harrell or I was, you know, I saw this or I saw that. But for me, when Brown and I kind of got into after the whole delicious thing had went south or whatever, like, how we were going to make the next moves you guys were like that uh you were that independent kind of situation 
that wasn't like a E40 or like a two short or like, like you were like, I'll say definitely the forerunners on the West coast for an independent movement. Um, how did that come about? I, what's crazy is it came about because we grew up where Too Short and E-40 are from, you know, and also uh, the whole uh, Jello Biafra, that that movement, like, India is where it's at. And we had really strong record stores. We had shitty radio. We still got shitty radio. We had, we had really strong. I mean, shout out to the Wake Up Show, which was our one, you know, one and a half hours, two hours a night, a, a week that you would get rap, like hip hop, like hip. And I mean, not hip hop versus rap, just rap music in general that wasn't pop. But uh, because we grew up watching guys really excel by selling records to the stores directly through the mom and pops, all that, I think it gave us heart to do it ourselves. So I do, you know, it, you do got to credit too short and, and you know, and I mean, there's a lot of other other small labels out here, but too short, E-40, and Jello Biafra, I would say, as far as the Bay, just from the punk scene to the hip hop scene, they was like, yo, you don't need a major label in order to survive. And even though we didn't get a lot of radio, we got, people would buy our records. So, you know, there was a time when we first were independent that we were taking the records to the store. I mean, I've bought a house off that shit. You know what I'm saying though? Like literally like taking records to stores and selling them after I get off stage, you know? Mm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we, and this is, you know, this is a time when music was a product, you know, like you make a CD, it's 69 cents, you sell it for $10, that's still cheaper than the 17 that the store is charging. Everybody's happy and you'll sign it, you right there, it's you. I mean, there's tours where I made way more money off of selling my CDs than, than we did as a group uh, from the performances, you know? Hey man, I, I'll say it like this, man. Me, we never made a whole bunch of money off of merch, but we sold some merch or we, we sell some merch, you know what I'm saying? But I'll say this, you one of those groups like me, I'm not an MC. I don't I don't know what it is to step on stage after somebody just hopped on stage and they just lit it up and you gotta go out there, or whatever. Mm -hmm. but I told them if we're doing a show at High Roll, I know I probably don't need to bring two duffel bags of <laughs> one and a little change over that one. Because uh, you guys have a cult following. So so tell me this. Did the cult following come from hieroglyphics or souls of mist like when did you first notice that people were like like you were a thing to people beyond I, just i think hieroglyphics okay. really you know uh i think as souls of mischief of course we were we were a thing to i think a lot of people you know musicians and and just cultural movement but i think when they were like oh and they got dell and they got casual and you know pep love and these dudes have been friends their whole lives and you know, there's a lot of mystery shrouding our origins and all these things, especially pre-internet, right? Because people would just see you perform, they'd see your videos, and that's it. You had maybe one or two interviews a year, right, in, in the source of rap, rap pages or something. But there weren't, there was no outlet for hip-hop. You know, even radio, we would, they would talk to us for two seconds and then play the record. So I think that the symbol sort of like, you know, the, the Egyptian concept, and it's just mysterious, and it, and it just meant something bigger than us as a crew, Souls of Mischief, and then bigger than us as a crew, Hieroglyphics. So I'll say our cult following started really happening maybe 97, 98. So we had been out about four years, which is crazy now because that's still 23 years ago. Like we went indie mm -hmm. in 1995. So mm -hmm. I've been indie, we, 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 we came out in 1993. 
we put two records out, you know, they'll put two records out or, or you have two records out, casual put one out. And then, then we speak, went Indian in 95, right? From 95 mm -hmm. to now is 25 years. So we only had three years of not really being uh, indie. The rest of the time, mm -hmm. and, and we're way bigger now than we were back then. Like, of course, we're not way bigger mainstream, but as far as worldwide, like we way, hip hop is just bigger. Like we weren't in no movies. I mean, we were in Low Down Dirty Shame, but that's because the, the, the label <laughs> promoted it, you know? But I'm saying now, I mean, you, you were in commercials, movies, Gatorade, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff so because yeah. it represents a time period, and and and, and it, it it's crazy how we can be so much bigger now without mainstream traction than we were before. You know, right. we, 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 when we were on MTV and Soul Train and Rap City and Yo MTV Raps and you know, in Living Color and all that. But but I remember this man. I remember you did. You guys did one Hyro album, and it was an independent album. And you had a little bit of BET and a little bit of, uh, you know, you you had a little bit of BET and some MTV play. So yeah. in the in the world of payola and this, that, and the third, I don't want you to, you know, give us all the secrets, but how did you guys end up on MTV and BET like when you were just totally independent? Like really like- man, the you gotta, I gotta credit Domino, man. Like really uh, leveraging relationships, you know? And being like, yo, you know, talking to Big Tigger or talking to Joe Claire. And him being like, I'd like to do a show on y'all with y'all and Cali. And Domino being like, look, we'll buy the plane tickets and fly out to Virginia. Because we had already done it with, with, you know, whoever else before. But we really, Domino saying, hey, we got to hit the road. We're not, you know, maybe we'll get on TV. If we do, cool. But if not, at least we're going to show our faces in all these places. So we were hitting the album release party circuit, and, you know, hitting the tunnel and Essos and, you know, uh, Unity and, whatever yeah. and all these different places and making sure that we were seen. And and then because we had built these relationships prior to being dropped from the labels, the, you know, the it's just people, right? It's all a network of people. And so, and then I think our production value was still on the same level. It wasn't like we went underground and all of a sudden we back to slinging dubs of tapes. We went underground, but we're still recording in the same studio. We're increasing our, you know, we're investing in our equipment, investing in mixing and mastering filming videos on film, shooting shots, shooting pictures, I guess on film, which was the only way back then. <laughs> uh, but but the quality level didn't drop, even though the backing did. And I think that's that's big, but I gotta give 100% credit like to the whole crew for, for, for following somebody's vision, but for Domino for being the person, the visionary who's like, yo, we're gonna do it this way. Cause I remember us being like, man, we should just get a deal, get some bread. There's some bullshit. We in two vans, da da da. We in New York. I got a, I got a, I, we know, we, where's our car? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it, it took him being like, look, it's going to pay off. And in the end, it did pay off. I mean, back then, you know, Third Eye Visions probably sold 200,000 copies, indie. You know what I'm saying? Sold. Like, that's, that's some tickets. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's one of my favorites. You know? so, yeah. So it's, it's, it, I, I give that all up to Bob. Tell us a little bit about uh, Hyrule Day. Oh, Hyro Day, woo, is, uh, so basically one time we were on the internet in 2012 and we were on tour or something. And then uh, somebody was like, some fan, I wish I knew the person's name because they, woo, they, they freaked it. They were like, 9-3 should be Hyro Day. So like September 3rd, you know, and every Hyro Day, what you do is you wear your Hyro gear and you play the Hyro music and convert some <laughs> disciples to the Hyro cult, you know? 
Mm. And then nine three happened to be Labor Day that year in 2012. You know, and since the world was ending anyways, right? The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. We were like, yo, we're going to have a party, right? So we decided to have a block party. And, you know, it started off at a couple hundred, 300. But by the time it was done, there's four or 5,000 people there. People were on top of buildings looking down. And all the food had sold out from every one of the vendors and all that kind of stuff. So we, we decided to make it annual. And it's been annual every year on Labor Day here. The mayor's even declared it a, you know, Oakland holiday. And it's, it's, it's just... Uh, it's great to be able to have a platform because this is post rock the bills, right? No more rock the bills, no more paid dues. You know, uh, I mean, we've done uh, Coachella maybe four times, but Coachella's kind of leans to what's hot at the time. You know, they got they have a great selection, not to knock Coachella, but those, you know, the Coachellas and outside lands and all those sort of other festivals, lumber yeah. shoot and all that stuff caters to a more a, a different crowd you know um so it's good to be able to have a platform for sort of urban music you know i mean and we've had everybody from far side to pete rock to uh you know uh benny the butcher and conway to kaylani to you know um what's the brother's name uh anderson pack but when he was when he was in no worries and you know mm-hmm. it, it's 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 good to be able to have that variety and be able to showcase it. And it's just a big party, man. We don't really be making no money from it, but it, it the culture, I think, benefits from it. And I hate the term the culture, but I think literally like the, the street culture, we have a skate, skate contest, the graffiti contest. We got the food, the street food. Um, my mom and Akira's book club does like a reading and literacy type thing with my youngest daughter for the kids. We have free haircuts back to school giveaway stuff. So to me, it's a very important part of Oakland culture. And, I'm, and you know, it's frustrating this year to not be able to do it in a, in a, in a live way, but we did it virtually, you know, we probably got 30,000 people come through and that's also awesome just to see that it's still viable even without it being a physical place. But next okay. year is the 10th year now, uh, we're going to try to go crazy, you know, like hopefully it'll be, you know, something, something special. That's nah, good. that's tight. I, I'll say this, man. I've been to two, uh-huh. and uh, the first one I went to, um, the far side performed, uh-huh. and uh, <clears throat> I met uh, I met uh, OG Mike, uh, the pop locker. Oh wow! Okay, oh, yeah. the white dude, and I was yeah. like, dang! And I was like, dude, he's the dude from you. You know, he's the dude yeah. from, uh, <laughs> YouTube and whatnot. He pops with Pop and Taco and like like the OGs, and he's like a, you know, probably. He's not 70, but I say he's a good 65. He's up there, yeah. He's up yeah, there. he's still popping. And I was like, dang. And when I saw him, he was dancing next to my booth. But he wasn't really busting no moves, but he was just kind of playing with it. And I was like, oh, nah, there's somebody different right here. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then uh, across the street from me was the cannabis vendor. So you had mm-hmm. you went you went to one thing and you got checked in and ID'd and whatever, and then you went to the other thing and then you could pick up your cannabis. But I'll say mm-hmm. that the proudest moment that I had was uh I was following some of the press leading up to the to the to the show that the far side did, and I saw you guys on the news and to just see the news embrace you guys, like your local mm-hmm. news, like really embrace you guys and give you the form and they were kind of like, this is, you know, these guys are doing the right thing. I was kind of proud of mm-hmm. you guys, man. That was a, that was a real good look. Man, I appreciate it. 
it's always good to be embraced by our community and to be on our own terms. That's really, I think, the important part as far as the example we're setting, because I, I don't think that this is something that couldn't happen everywhere, you know, but it's about have, having that pedigree of being entrenched in the community and having this sort of longstanding history and, and, and executing it the right way, you know, as far as proper security and making sure the older folks is taken care of and free, the kids is free, you know, having, having proper water. And, and, and these are things we learned over the years, but it becomes an asset to the city over the years. You know, I mean, Oakland now, Hyro Day is part of Oakland now. And Oakland now is very different than the Oakland we grew up in, but we used to grow up with this thing called the Festival at the Lake. And I think Hyro Day is the closest thing to the Festival at the Lake now that we have because they, they, they canceled that. I heard about a, a Festival at the Lake. And That's I heard it was very hypey, man. I heard it was yeah. very hypey and dumb and yeah. all type of other uh, Bay Area terminology. Yeah, it used to go. Yeah, it was, it was popping. Yeah. Pop. Hell yeah. Nah, that's tight. So tell me this, did uh, when you went to high school, was there any uh, MCs or athletes that ended up kind of, other than the high row crew that ended up kind of shining out of where you come from? Uh, so the Loonies, okay. uh, they're like maybe a year or so younger. Uh, Latif from Latirix, Latif, Latirix. So Latif uh -huh. and Lyrics Born, yeah. they went to school. I went to school with Latif and then, uh, uh, what's his name? Festa went to school with Lyrics Born. Um, that's really it, you know? Like, uh, the rest are either younger or a little bit older, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny. The Bay Area is full of talent, but no industry. So, you know, like, and everybody's in their little separate cliques, which is funny because it's small. It's not like L.A. where you can, I can do two shows, maybe three shows in L.A. in one day. You know, you do one in the IE, you do one downtown, you do one on the west side, three different crowds. The Bay is- That's it, why it, you guys do it. Off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Got the man waiting, so you step yeah. on the street. Boop, boop, boop. Gotta, gotta get this other bread. Yeah, you can't really do that in the Bay, man. It's one thing happening or whatever. Now I think with the small bars and smaller venues, it's, it's kind of cool. But it, but not many guys really came out from that era. Tony, 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 uh, I know Elijah went to school with A-plus's older sister, but they're a little bit older than us. Mm. But, you know, not not a lot. I mean, when you think about Bay rap, that's big. I mean, like national level, it's us, 40 and short, really, right? I mean, I guess Players Club, because Drake, so Forte, because, you know, Mac Dre, Mac, Mac, Mac Dre Mac but I think he's, unfortunately, he's bigger in death than in life, you know? And that, yeah. that that's sad because he's a, uh, he was a gym, you know, but it, unfortunately, sometimes cats don't get their roses till they pass. But I think a lot of he actually was a, a catalyst, a cultural catalyst out here. And a lot of what people see of as Bay is innovated directly from that. You know? Yeah, uh, I've never um, my experience with hip hop. I, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, originally. Hey. But um, it's so funny because people ask me about like uh, what type of cultures there would influence you like. You know, looking back, I could say more like obviously, I don't know. Some people associate with the South for some reason, but my mom, my family, my family's originally from New York. Mm -hmm. Well, before that, like Greensboro, but or states, what's Greensboro, Greensboro, Alabama, whatever. But New York, a lot of culture, a lot of that culture influenced me uh, the most, I would say. But um, I don't know, Bay Bay culture was always like. I don't know, like I, I never, I didn't take E40 seriously until 
like way like when I moved out here, people were like, yo, Nick, give me your top five MCs. And they'd be like, E40, E40, E like what? Like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, not the Izzle guy. You it's know what a, I mean? It's, like, an acquired, it's an acquired taste, but I feel like if you grew up listening to 40, you'd be a lot better off than if you grew up listening to Jay-Z. If you you know what I'm saying though? Like, like as far as what game, what game is in the in, in the music, you know? I, you know? I agree. Yo, yo, like the, the, the Bay culture is so rich. I mean, it's like it's, it's if if anything, it's kind of funny how influential it is, but not as acknowledged. You know what I'm saying? And, Absolutely, uh, I know what you're saying. You listen to music I, right now, and it's like uh, you listen to City Girls. Their stuff yeah. is dope. Five or half their stuff sound like old Bay records. You listen to Saweetie, yeah. or you listen to YG, or you listen to a lot of the stuff. Uh, what's the other guy? Yo Gotti. A lot of that yeah. stuff is like Ti. A lot of it's like, damn, these is Bay records. And yeah. not to them because they they took them and ran with them and, and took them put but like you said very influential but not acknowledged but uh, I will say the rappers and the people within the culture acknowledge it it's more like just general people don't understand that yeah that, yeah it is a Bay, Bay record you know uh, well I had to be I had to be walked to it you know what I'm saying like yeah. literally you know somebody you know, tells you something you go like huh and then next you know you find out like you know like the Snoop Izzle language. You know, he yeah. got from E40, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's that's something that he's made global, yeah. but, you know, it came from there. Uh, I mean, even you know, to be prior to 40, that came from not being the feds, not being able to understand, you know, like a lot of the lingo in the <laughs> back, like that the streets kind of run, you know, what's going on. So it's, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's kind of uh, dense and hard to unpack. And maybe that's the reason why people can crack it open a little bit and then fools are like, Oh, now I get it. But that's never yeah. somebody from the Bay. That's usually somebody from the South or or L.A. or the Midwest. Right. You know, like even with the whole jerking and all that. Like I'm like, damn, this is <laughs> this is the Bay. But L.A. took it around with it and made you know and made it. They bumped it up to the next level. But all the people in that community always gave it up to Bay artists and Bay dancers and stuff like that. It's never been yeah. something from inside where they're not like, I ain't gonna tell you where the secret sauce is from. It's just that everybody <laughs> in the world doesn't know. Where the where the sauce is from, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, it's an acquired taste too. It's an acquired taste. I can't. If somebody's like, I don't fuck with forty, I get it. But I'm just kind of like, you should. You you might want to fuck with forty. Hey, yeah. uh, between short and forty, they like. Uh, I think they got the most albums out of any rapper ever. Period. So they 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 really shortchanging themselves. And they pocketing that money. And if you listen to what they're telling you on the albums, you'll be able to navigate. Not just the streets, but just like regular life. A lot less heartache, a lot more, a lot more uh, good stories and, and good takeaways than, than than bumping your head against stuff. I think hip hop, to a large extent, sells a fantasy, and I don't think Short and Forty are into selling fantasies. I mean, everything's embellished, but man, I'm so I feel so happy. I grew up on Too Short and Forty. You know, I mean, Forty kind of mess I mess with later, but in my you know, eighteen on up. But short, I've been listening to since I was eight or nine years old, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just like the perspective that he that he um, sort of uh, injected us with helped, I think, helped a lot with interpersonal relationships, with not being uh, surprised that women act a certain way, you know? And, and I like the way you're putting this, by the way. This is, that's like the <laughs> nicest way to describe, especially two Schwartz music. That is the most polite way. <laughs> I don't think he would describe the music like that. That's funny. <laughs> Same with well, 40, though, for navigating the streets, really. You know, you listen yeah. to a 40 record, 
You know what I'm saying? Though you like it's really like like a book of game. Like he's telling you, okay, don't do that. And then, you know, if 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 he go if you go shoot him something, make sure you get half up front. You know, just like little stuff where you like, damn, that might have saved somebody's life if they really were listening to that word like gospel. And then I think a lot of the rappers, other rappers, they put out the highs. G rap puts out the highs and the lows. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Those certain guys put out the highs and the lows, and I think that's more believable. But a lot of rappers just put out the highs, and that's I think almost more dangerous than than than. I mean, it's like it's like fantasy, but since yeah. they're passing it off as real, it's more dangerous than the fantasy. You know? Yeah, I think that's that's it. Depends, it depends on the type of consumer you are. You know, I mean, I'm more of an album consumer. So yeah. like, you know, if you if you dive in, you're gonna get more of the story. But if you're just into the singles. You just gonna get one side, you know, just the, the, yeah. the glorifying. And the singles are usually all fantasy, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I was gonna say, uh, Chris Chris Riggins is my my tour guide when I'm uh, in the Bay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's somebody I gotta check. You know, people say I gotta check in. Like if I go to the Bay, I don't check in with Chris. He gonna have a problem. I was yeah. gonna say, how you gonna have a whole, whole bunch of studs on your helmet? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah. shit. <laughs> hey, hey, for real, for real. <laughs> but I was, gonna, I was gonna say, how'd you, how'd you link up with Chris? Man, Chris been the homie for hell long, man. He's been a open, opener, tour manager, all that kind of stuff. You know, driver, all that kind of stuff, man. Mm. And like we were talking about earlier, man. To me, comedy is almost the illest frontier for. I'm, you know, I want to dis disregard other cultures, but for black culture, like. When you talk about underground and you talk about street and you talk about talent and you talk about working a crowd and, 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 you know, chitlin circuit and these types of things, you know, it, it's probably blues and comedy, I think are, and maybe jazz, but jazz, you go to the club, nobody look like you, the people performing, right? <laughs> yeah. But that, like comedy, only thing I think that comes close to it is maybe skateboard to where it's like, yo, you can't just be like, I got a skateboard, I'm a skater. You really yeah. got to do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying though? And that's the same with comedy. Like you can't not be funny. And so, I mean, yeah. you can say you're a comedian, but you're not going to last that long not being funny, you know? And so yeah. I feel like his his story and how he moves and operates is, is kindred to how how we do. It's sort of ground up, hard scrabble kind of, um, what would I call that? Uh, working, working class ethic and making sure that um, shit, everything is tight, everything is straight. We bring in the funny the same way we try to bring the lyrics and and yeah. at the end of the night everybody's walking away a fan and, right. and that's your, your comedians got to navigate that shit and as I was saying earlier like the same way they say hip hop will tell you it's like hood CNN and they'll tell you everything about something you know comedy touches all aspects of culture because you got to touch everybody in the crowd right and so that yeah. means you got to you got to deal with the dances and you got to deal with interpersonal relationships. And you got to deal with politics and you got to deal with you know, drugs and all, all these different things that, that I think you find the common connection. And so mm-hmm. Chris, to me, I mean, he, he like, you know, that's family like that, you know, like that's the homie, but that's family. It's, it's, it's deeper than just, oh, this my partner that be telling jokes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I first met him, we, we clicked instantly. Like, honestly, like, I don't even know what about him. I just was like, you understand, like getting on stage. Uh, getting stage time, that's like a hard thing. Like even me, uh, somebody just walk up to me and be like, hey, you know, I want to get on your stage. I want to perform with you, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, who are you? You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you never know. So one of these said, Chris, it was just like, 
I, I was like, yo, you want to perform? He was like, yeah. Like that, I didn't even know. I didn't know like he was so, uh, in, you know, into the culture. I didn't know we both were open for Dave Chappelle at yeah. that time. We, you know, we we had so much, we just clicked. And uh, it, it benefited me because when I came to the Bay, I wasn't no stranger, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like he took me around. So that's why I was like, yo, and then he introduced me to y'all. So I, I thought that was dope. Nah, yeah, he's a good, good, good guy, man. And, I, you know, an asset to our, our community out here, you know? I'll, I'll tell you something funny, man. Uh, so I heard that Chris was a comedian. I work with Slink uh, Johnson. So hey. Slink, Slink had told me, he, he just left too. He's, he's headed out on a, a little road trip. He's going to be hitting some clubs. You know what I'm saying? That's dope. That's dope. I'm thinking about Slink Johnson on IG. But uh, yeah, I just saw him a few minutes ago. But the crazy thing was, I knew Chris as a, it's so crazy because if, if you look at Crush Groove, and you see kind of how like Russell Simmons and like you got this young, hungry, you know, uh, manager and he's working with rappers and everything. That's what I know of Chris. Like Chris was managing Jern I at, at the Oh, at, wow. At him, wow. Like, like to hear him doing comedy is like, it is um, as amazing as me knowing that you're an architect. And like, <laughs> no, 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 but not on no this thing, but just like, dang, because, you know, I remember Chris coming and uh, Chris would call me up a couple weeks before we come into town to do a show. And he'd be like, yo, man, can you know, can you get Jern on, man? What's up, what's up? And Jern had my number. I know Jern, you know what I'm saying? But Jern, <laughs> but Jern wasn't going to call me. The manager was going to call me doing it, you know, doing it the way it's supposed to be done. So then, um, uh, Chris will call me. So then we built a little relationship on that. But then uh, Jeremy had mentioned Chris Riggins a couple times, but it didn't click. And then I came up to the Bay with Slink uh, the high road day before last. And uh, Chris came by the uh, the booth and, and he said, I was like, yo, what's up, Smooch? And I looked at him. I'm like, so you're the guy that everybody's... <laughs> Like, oh, it's you! Oh, wow! Yeah, that's, that's dope. Though. It's good to know people in different contexts too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, because he's a super talented comedian. That's 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 what's funny to me. Like he's hella funny, you know. Like I'm like, damn! Oh, you really do this? Oh, well, okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, nah, you know, it's a trip because it's kind of like okay, if we look at the comedians that are at the, you know, at at the top of the mountain right now. Um, somewhat urban community uh, urban comedians not saying hood comedians but just saying you know not not straight edge comedy or whatever but more comedy that's that <laughs> that's a little rough you know what i'm saying a little rough we don't have too many you know what i'm saying and you have guys like slink you have guys like jeremy you have guys like uh like chris and, and i'm gonna tell you the funny thing about jeremy um I met Jeremy and had him come on come on to the show because he's a comedian, but I hadn't heard any of his comedy, but I knew he was talented just from the, the very first conversation we had. So Jeremy's thing was when I was trying to get host, he'd be like, oh man, he's my homeboy, I can get him. Oh man, he's my homeboy, I can get him. But the funny thing about it is the dudes who he was saying was his homeboy really is really his homeboys. Yeah. Like we were uh, out in front of the comedy store um, one night and uh, and it was it was late. It was like my first time seeing stand up comedy in, in, in a while because I was kind of jaded because I had went to see <laughs> one of everybody's favorite comedians, 
won't name him, but I had that. We had, we were, the far side had shows in Colorado. We were stranded on the tarmac for like 40 minutes. We get to LA, I get picked up from the airport and then I get carted off to this, what I thought was going to be the funniest thing in the world. Dang. The comedian told the same joke, like they were taping it. So he told the same joke like three times, whatever. And oh, it, wow. just, it just sucked everything out of me. And I was yeah, like, man, comedy, I don't, I don't have the patience for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can watch like a Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy or something like that, but I just found the patience. So Jeremy was like, nah, man, come out and come out and, you know, check it out or whatever. So I go out to the little situation and I'm, I'm back and I'm sitting with him and I'm, I'm seeing the people go on and uh, the people going on before him, it was crazy. Cause it's like the crowd was ready to just laugh at anything but the guys just couldn't pull it out. And I was just like, dang, how do you fail when you got an audience that's like, they, they ready. So then Jeremy, he finishes his drink. He goes up on stage, whatever, kills it. Uh-huh. Gets off the stage, comes, sits back down. He's like, yeah, man, I really wasn't feeling on. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, you, gave, you gave people what they wanted. Like, you, you, you're like, man, you succeeded. You gave them what they wanted. So we, we leave. And we walked down to the front of the uh, of the venue, and Brown, um, his, his girl was working with. Uh, well, she she had said, you know what, you might want to get this guy JD Witherspoon, and you know have him on the show or whatever. We're working with him right now. He's a real cool dude. He's funny. Blah 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 blah. I'd never heard of him or whatever, uh-huh. but. Uh, I'm standing out in front of the Jeremy. And I went to go and get a slice of pizza. We walked back. And so this guy walks up to Jeremy and they're talking, but he really hadn't introduced himself at that, at that time. And they're talking. And then the guy goes into character and he says, he starts uh, imitating his dad. And so I'm just listening to the voice and I'm like, dude, I know exactly who you are, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, dude, you John Witherspoon's son. And I was like, yo, my business partner's girl, blah, 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 blah. And it was J.D. Witherspoon. And the crazy thing about it, him and Jeremy sat and they, they talked for about a good 10 minutes or whatever. And I was like, man, Jeremy do know. You know, he does know, like, like. <laughs> he wasn't lying. <laughs> nah, he wasn't lying. So, nah, Jeremy, Jeremy's a good dude. It, it's a trip how uh, the de- degrees of separation have him working with uh, Chris as well as Slink working with Chris and then you working with Chris. Yeah. And then... Um, you know, kind of very proud of me to just kind of sit back and say, man, this kid, this, this, and I, he's not a kid because he's, he's an adult, but like, man, I saw Chris when he was just hungry, just going for management. And then to just see the transition in the comedy to where like, he's kind of the mayor of the Bay for urban comedy, so to speak. <laughs> like, no, nah, he's the mayor, man. I got to get hey. him where he can move people around. You know, that's, that's amazing. So, um, Tell me this, Tajay, if you were to give anybody some advice that was trying to get their first, <laughs> they're trying to do music to get paid, what would be the advice that you would give them? Get a job so that you don't got to worry about getting paid off your music. I've had a job <laughs> every day of this shit since day one. Wow. Every day. Every single day, though. I mean, it's a couple times where I might have been between jobs and then rapping was kind of what I was doing, but for the most part, if I wasn't in school, I had a job. So I would say get a job. That's mm-hmm. me though. That's not, other people will be like, well, 
how can you work your plan A if you're always working your plan B? But for me, I, I like things and I had babies <laughs> early, you know what I'm saying though? So mm-hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't a, um, it wasn't oh. a, like you can't be broke, you know what I'm saying though? So get a job and let, and let the music shit work itself out. And then when you take, get your money, since we get our money in lumps, like invest that shit, like, you know what I'm saying though? Like how, and you know, flip it. You know, I'm, whether you want to play the pyramid game or whether you want to go buy you some work or whatever you want to do, flip that shit. Like money is not, it's not, it's worthless unless it's moving. You know, like I, I, I'm not a saver. That don't mean that I, I mean, I, 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 in my older age, I'm learning to have a cushion, but I don't really, I be trying to put my, make my money work. Like, so always have a job and, and then invest. So three things, like I said, get a job invest your money, you know, get a job so that your music or your, your, your art is not necessarily what you got to eat off of and save your money and then invest your money. And in, in including, if you believe in yourself, invest your money in yourself, you know, like I'm about to film a movie, uh, shit next weekend for a record that I put out two years ago, but Whoa. I believe that the record needs to be seen in this manner. And when you think about it, nobody looks at the release date 30 years from now. They're just like, remember that movie? And hopefully I'll be alive 30 years from now still making royalties from that movie, you know? So that's kind of, you just got to invest in yourself. But I, I wouldn't recommend anybody do this in the world of there's no value to what we do. I mean, I mean, I, I understand cultural value, but I'm talking about and cultural currency. I'm talking about actual hard dollars. There's, we do some of the most valuable shit. We keeping this shit together. Imagine if they cut out comedy or they cut out hip hop. Nigga, this motherfucker would be, right, we'd be burning this motherfucker down, dude. We'd be burning it down, right? So, what more we're doing, politicians. Yeah, yeah, man. So, what we're doing is important and valuable, mm-hmm. and, and and then don't twist it too. Don't don't twist valuable with the money part of it. You know what I'm saying, though? Because really, honestly, uh, you determine your own value. <laughs> and, uh, valuable, man. And, and, and and if you don't that, that means if you determine your own value are you worthy of being invested in if so be your biggest investor you know right. and, and 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 put your money where your mouth is mm. i understand in in the money game other people's money is important but if we're in something where other people can't find value in what we're doing enough to put the money behind it somebody has to because you have to get yourself seen so that might mean pay for your own tour. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that, that might mean press your own records or your own T-shirts. That might mean, uh, you know, pay, pay for some search engine optimization on the computer or pay for some features or, or pay, pay for a movie or a video that you need to, but invest in yourself. But I, like, I worked from eight to five today. Then I went into jujitsu class and then I'm here. We're doing this. This is all all things, you know, I, I don't see them as separate, you know, they're, they're all going to one thing, you know? Right, right, right. I'm the, you know what, I'm the same way. I feel like, uh, you know, when I start going out on the road and you come back home with a lump sum of money, whether it was big, or whether it was little, I was like, man, my first investment really off of hip hop, buying some dogs, hmm. start, starting a breeding program, starting the breeding program that I wanted to start. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. like, man, you know what? You know, a lot of people are like, oh man, you know, you gotta have people take care of your dogs when you go out of town and woo woo woo. But dude, honestly, I'll say 
with the exception of the last two years, I made like six G's off of every litter that I've had since like 99. You know what wow. I'm saying? Like, like literally like 99. I need to get into dogs. I'm about to bring me some Scottish pit bulls. <laughs> oh, what's the name of? I don't know if it was Morgan Freeman or somebody said um, every single thing you look at is a billion dollar industry. Not a million dollar industry, a billion dollar industry. Whether it's Zoom, whether it's the blinds behind you, whether it's your couch, the laptop you're on, the symbol that's behind us is a billion dollar industry. Paper cups, uh, rolling papers, you know what I'm saying? Those paper clips, tax, you know what I mean? Like tooth whitening. So really, if you invest in, and really push it how you need to, you the money will come. So I know you probably, the, your first litter may not have hit how you wanted to, but you made your little tweaks and everything. And now, hey, it's, it's rolling. And then life is long too. I mean, I think we've been deprogrammed or program, whichever you want to call it, to believe that our life is not, you know, as black men, we're not going to live a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we got to live for the moment. We do momentary shit, you know, yeah. and this is not to knock brothers. We all have dreams and hopes and, and are able to think beyond that. But to a large extent, they put this sort of blinders on us so that we're not looking, looking at in terms of a 10 year cycle, 50 year right. cycle, 100 year cycle, 200 year cycle. And I think if you start thinking on that level, you start seeing the little cracks in the matrix and stuff where you're like, damn, if I just put this little couple of dollars here in 20 years, I'm going to have this and I'm not going to need this until 20 years. And that's kind of how I've been with my education and with my investments. It's like, I don't, I don't care about being broke as long as my money is, is moving. Like I don't care at all. Like I go to Costco, drop a rack at Costco. I'm good for three months. All my money's going out the door. Yeah. All my money is going out the door. My kid, my baby's is full. My lady is, is you know, is, is good. My house, my house note is paid and everything. All the rest of the dough is going out the door. You know, and, and hopefully it, it's not, it may not come at, back in that three months that I bought groceries for, but that fourth month, something is about to hit and it's going to trickle back in. And that, that's just how I operate because I'm not like, I've been fortunate. Like I came out at what, 18 as a world famous rapper. So I don't, I don't have the need to like have a Maserati or have a big ass chain or stun or none of that because I've lived, we've already lived that life. Right. So now, it, and, and, and then during the time when it was big, like when we was big, the tight car was like a Jetta or a Sterling, you know what I mean? Or, you know, like a, a, a caddy. It wasn't no McLaren or no, no Bugatti or nothing. So, you know, we, we were able to, these are attainable goals, right? Yeah. I can get a, a, a Jetta and put some, Inkies on it or something. You, know what I'm yeah, you get a sixty thousand. Well, Suburbans was sixty thousand. Yeah, you get a bourbon, throw throw some Daytonas on it, and you are the man. You the man. <laughs> you good. Go have a bit. You know, so 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 I'm 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 not saying I'm past that. I like things, you know, but and, and quality, but I don't have the need to. I'm thinking about my grandchildren. I'm getting to the age now where I'm probably gonna be having grandchildren soon. So what is what what seed do I plant today that by the time my grandchild is my age, not even 20, 40, they good. They don't got to worry about it because that seed's been planted. And that's all I try to man. Money is just energy, it's like oil or gas, right? I don't think of it as an end. If you if you have too much of it, it's just gonna mildew somewhere or it's gonna sit in the bank and deflate, right? So mm-hmm. keep 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 it moving. That doesn't mean plan for a rainy day, but my rainy day plan is okay, I've got land that I can grow food on. I've got mm-hmm you know, homes that are paid off, things of this nature where if it goes bad, I can sell these things or I can just live in it and 
work my little architecture job or, you know, shit, shine, wash cars in the driveway, you know, whatever. And I'll have enough dough to pay my property taxes and keep my refrigerator full. But you got to you got to believe in you and, and put back in you like the, the mega rich. Oh, they make their money from investments. Right. They don't even make their money from having ideas. They make their money from putting their bread on other people's ideas. Yeah, and we're we, 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 we're young enough to see these little, like I said, these little cracks in the matrix and be creative and be like, oh, wow, I could put an Internet cafe in this place that just got fiber optic this year because everybody is not going to have personal home computers, et cetera, for a while. So if I just put this Internet cafe, I'm going to have money for at least for five or six years. At the end of that five or six years, hopefully I'll be able to buy a, a telecom company or a telephone company. Right. And so that mm -hmm. I'm the person selling them the, the, the smartphones because now everybody's got a smartphone. So maybe the internet cafe is not popping anymore, but I'm still getting money because they want to chip their phones and get, get covers for their phones and upgrade and, you know, buy SIM cards and all that shit. So it's just, just pulling out perspective. Life is about perspective, right? You pull out far enough, you're going to see everything. And, and I think that's what paper affords you to do, right? We're so caught up in the struggle and every day, that we have these blinders on and we can only concentrate on what's right in front of us. And I think those with paper and those who are raised with paper, they have the ability to just, everything, it's like the matrix, right? Everything slows down. I don't know why I keep on, I think I watched the matrix the other day and now I'm, I'm, I understand that's like a real 90s, 2000 uh, metaphor. <laughs> they're, they're making another one. They're making another one. You pull out far enough and you can see everything for what is it? what it is. And then you can see those little points where like, damn, if I just put 10 stacks on here, I'm going to do this. I just came off a tour. I got 15. Okay. This five going to have me cool for these. I got $1,500 rent. This five going to have me cool for three months plus groceries. Let me put this 10 on here. Let me not buy this, this, you know, this jet ski I wanted or, or, or these, <laughs> teeth, these teeth I was going to flip and I treat yourself and all that. But investment, I mean, it's, I treat it like it's a game, you know, like I, I, I try to play, the world kind of like it's a simulation, but I believe, you know, treat the simulation like you're the main character, you know, and that, and right. that's just, don't, don't treat it like you, you, you know, don't build up other people's dreams at the expense of your own, but, but, but also like be realistic, like with rap, you know, I don't know if somebody wants to hear me at 60, they may, and that's cool, but I'm not going to bank it on that as being how I make my money when I'm 60. So that's why I went into architecture because you don't get good at architecture till you're 60, 65 years old. Then finally you raw, you know? So I got 20 more years, 20, 30 more years to look forward to getting better and improving and, 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 and being good so that in my older age, this is something where I don't got to fly around. I sit in my room and I draw, I sell it to people and, and, or I don't sell it to people. I build for myself and end up having more things of value. You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. I, Real, I'm, real quick, like, though, Jay. I'm sorry, y'all don't want to rant. No, 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 no. No, that's good. It's good info, man. There's a whole lot yeah, of games drop right there, so I just got to spin the uh, record back real quick. And first of all, okay, so you got your degree in architecture, and then you are an employed, gamefully employed architect. So mm -hmm. tell us, how did you do that while maintaining a hip-hop career? Because open to school, too, like, so, like, yeah. I don't, I mean, me, I haven't done anything that disciplined, but I've always, like, like I, I follow the same philosophy to the level of, I don't like having a lot of money to blow. 
if I get money, it needs to go somewhere where it's gonna be a goose laying That's eggs. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a goose laying eggs. And I need to just be able to pull from the egg and then maybe throw the goose some food, throw the goose some water, you know what I'm saying? Maybe give it a shot, antibiotics here, there, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. But mm-hmm. I keep these eggs <laughs> and I'm living off the eggs. So how did you achieve your degree in architecture while doing hip hop? Okay, so when we first, I went to, I graduated in 92. So I took a year off between 92 and 93 and recorded the album. So then I went to school the fall of 93, you know, like all my first rap money went to college. You know, mm. so I went to Stanford for undergrad. My parents was like, blood, you're going to school, you know, like you're going to school, bro. Like, I don't care how Mr. Rap Man you are, you know, like you're going to school. So when I went to school, it was at the height of my popularity. And I did it. I, you know, fax machine came out. I was having people go take notes for me in class. You know what I'm saying, though? I get all my whole syllabus and try to do all my work while I was on campus. And then I like I was on tour with Tribe and Dela and Farside and all this while I was in college. But it helped me realize like, oh, there's 24 hours in a day. You know, I rap what? An hour and a half, two hours when you include sound check. And I maybe need to sleep, you know, as a young man, six hours, three and a half hours, you know, so. So the rest of the day, I got time to do whatever. So doing it the second time around with a family and a home and paper, you know, and all this, it it wasn't even difficult. It's it's like, okay, I'm only going to tour during the summer and during the winter break and spring break, or are we doing only weekend shows? And, you know, the weekend shows be good. Like that's, that's when the, the clubs make the money. So let's say I book a show every weekend for a year. That's still the, I'm, I'm still at a hundred shows. You know what I mean, though? So let's say the 100 shows are 10 racks. Okay, I still 100 stacks I made. Okay, I, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my family on the weekends, but I'm home during grad school every every week. So it's not like I'm missing out on the family time and on raising my children and all that. So it's really not as difficult as people think. And now, like, I drive a laptop. You know, you got to invest in your tools. So I bought a high-powered laptop and I print out my plans before I go on tour, but I'll be like, after we get back to the stu- from the from sound check or when we wake up in the morning, I get my little breakfast and whatever at the hotel cafe. And then I go design all day long till it's time to roll out. Then when they roll out, I make my phone calls and handle my little business since, since I'm on the phone, uh, since I can't really do shit in the car. And then when we get to the hotel, you know, before sound check or whatever, I'm, I'm designing and uploading and, you know, make sure you pay for some cloud, cloud, uh, storage and all that, but we have all these tools now where it's, 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 I'm probably, even when I was in, 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 in undergrad, I probably was spending more time on my studies than cats who was at school, fuck, you know, chilling, partying, etc. I'm like, man, I'm getting paid to party the rest of the time. Let me handle my business, you know? And I don't, it's, it makes the party part even more sweet, right? When, when I'm on tour and I, and I finish a, a house or a restaurant that I'm drawing, then I'm like, ooh, we about, it's going down. Let me hit that, you know what I'm saying? I might have to, you know, hit the weed or something, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, shit, it's, it's going down. But but it's not, they're not, it's not difficult. You know, I don't- I'm, You owe us a manual, man. You, you owe us something for, for, for people with short attention. I mean, that's really- but, that's really what it is, though. It's like, I mean, I've got ADD, like diagnosed, et cetera, you know? And so all these things, I mean, it, it, it's to my detriment, but I will have my studio open 
my design stuff open, mm. iTunes open, mm. social media, and I'm gonna do 15, 20 minutes of everything for eight hours straight. And by the time I'm done, I've I've gotten it all done. I take I take my lunch at my desk, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't really go out and you know, but it there's enough time in a day to handle so much, you know. And I'm I'm now as an older man really starting to understand the 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 positive aspects of getting a good night's sleep, you know, drinking a glass of water before you go to bed, you know, not not getting as loaded, making making sure you got a glass of water when you wake up and so wake your systems out. Making sure I'm doing the proper sort of uh, physical activities to, to maintain my 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 boyish figure, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it, I feel like I have more. I can do more now than ever. But that's also because I've built the skills up too. You know, if, if like when it's time to rap, I have three beats on. Right, it's like the Tupac thing. Right, keep your three studios running. So I have three beats on. I might finish a verse to this. Because of my attention span, go work on a verse of something else, you know, take a phone call about some business and go back. But 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 I don't think that it's multitasking when I'm doing the individual thing. I'm 100 percent engrossed in that. In the, in the, in the, and then and if I schedule it, it's even more. So, you know, if I'm like, look, for these three hours, I'm drafting no matter what. Then I don't get caught up with with, you know, Instagram or or rapping or vice versa. Yeah. But I have, I, it's like going by a schedule, making sure you got four burners burning, but then mm -hmm. you concentrate fully on whatever burner it is at the time, because right. you're never going to be effective trying to do all four at once, you know? So I, I like I said, I, I, nine to five, you know, the kids are homeschooling now, so it's different, but not, so nine to five really is, is work. Like I, I don't be trying to do no rap shit. None of that. I, I, I draft and, and take calls and deal with my clients. As soon as five comes, I do some physical activity just so because I, I sit down and that's a death sentence, I think, for anybody. It's just always sitting down. So I do some physical activity, whether it's I teach jujitsu to kids and I take jujitsu classes for myself. And then after that, like this time is it's, it's hip hop or hanging with my lady cooking, you know, doing doing uh, doing something, though, Extra and, and usually creative. And then, you know, I try to lay it down. I mean, I get in the bed probably. By midnight, you know, we we we'll hit we'll watch some Lovecraft Country or that that Power <laughs> Ghost, you know what I'm yeah, saying? No, so, something like so I'm, I'm a regular person, you know what I'm saying? I do regular shit too, or or we'll go on a bike ride or a walk, you know, just to get out of the house because of COVID. But I think there's more than enough time, like 24 hours. Bill Gates had them same 24 hours, Sinbad or Agamemnon or you know uh, Ulysses or. Well, you know, all these mythical people, nobody had the 25-hour day, you know, and niggas were playing dragons and fighting wars and all kind of shit, you know, whether it's Alexander the Great or Taharka or Hannibal, it was, they was like, look, we're going to load these elephants up, we're going to mob over here and do it. And they didn't, nobody was like, I have the secret of a 25-hour day. Everybody had the same amount of time, but we walked in the same planets with the same physiology as all these people who, you know, Genghis Khan all these people that we've learned from and, and we have also the ability to read, you know, for the majority of time, the world has been, been illiterate, right? Not, yeah. No, no computer access. Now I'm like, I talk to these kids. Like if you can post on Instagram, you can research, you can go to MIT yep. you know, from your phone. I don't care. You know, you, you can, you can research whatever and research is free. So I, I just try to treat it like, look, until somebody missed a 25 hour day or the eight hour, eight hour week, 
nobody is more more uh, wealthy than I am. Oh, we all are, we are all are sharing in the same wealth, and that's not some bourgeois like I understand. It's kids with nothing to eat. I understand it's people with no phones, with no access. But I'm talking about this sort of median level, regular everyday kid or or adult that has the same access to the gym and this, that, and the third that everybody. You can't. I'm, it ain't no cheating. Ain't no cheating, right? You, no, there's no limbo that you can just pop out and sort of do what you want to do, then pop out into reality. It's the same reality. So, so squeeze it for the most, because man, tomorrow's not promised, you know. And 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 get your rest too. For a long time, I did not get my rest, and I feel like it's taking a toll on the, the, the maybe the length of my life, or maybe my 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 physical health. Not that I'm in bad health, but I'm just saying. Now that I'm starting to get rest, man, I wake up every day like, let's go. Ah! <laughs> or my lady be like, yo, shut up. Like, yo, go downstairs with that shit. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I'm up like, did you see this? Can you believe this? You know, 6 30 in the morning, 6 in the morning, 6 in the morning, I'm doing yoga. You know what I'm saying though? Like, okay, okay. you know, so I got a sister that teaches me through Zoom, 6 in the morning. That gets me right to do the next thing. Then I'm making breakfast for my kids. Then, you know, it, and I don't ever feel like, it, there's never enough time and I'll be doing hella shit. So I know for the people who have a more conventional lifestyle, man, put, if you concentrate on that, it just, you get, you're going to get so much more. If you just, the more you put in, the, like life is infinite, right? Love, all these things is infinite. So the more you put out, the more you're going to receive, but you got to, but you got to take care of your, your, your vehicle or you're not going to be able to get anywhere, you know? And, and, and you got to take care of, I guess, the engine, which is the brain, or you're not going to get anywhere. But yeah, I, I don't know. That, that was a long tangent, but really it's just saying uh, like, oh, we're blessed man. with 24. We, we need, blessed with the same we need those jewels, man. I feel like you was preaching right to me, man. <laughs> you like, like, yo, stop staying out so late, man. Get some sleep, man. But, but, but that's part of what you do, though, right? I mean, part of what you do, you like a camera or a, or a, a, a computer, right? So you, you got to intake them late nights and them little... The, to, to, to build the jokes, right? Like you gotta, yeah, so it's part you, of what you do. So, you it's, so it's, it's different It's different than, like I'm a rapper. I, I can just look at my phone, listen to other people's music, read some books, and then spit out what I need to spit, you know? Mm -hmm. For comedians, I feel like so much of your, what you have to do deals with human situations and human interactions that yeah. you gotta be observing them interactions and having them interactions in order to, then turn that into some funny shit. You can't just be in your true. house posted or reading hella books and shit like, oh, I came up with this joke. It just don't seem like that. Like all the comedians I know, they be like people of the people. There's very yeah. few of them that are like hermits. And then they just come out and be funny. And then they go back to the little thing. Nah, you see them everywhere. And they got yeah. jokes there too. And then it just builds on top of that. So I'm not saying don't hang out late, but if you hang out late, man, drink that water before you go to sleep, sleep in late, get, like, get your eye mask. So that when the when the sun come up, you it don't wake you up. You see what I'm saying though, like yeah, yeah. And, and you know, cause ain't shit happening nine nine to eleven a.m. Anyways, you know, <laughs> in, in that world. So sleep into eleven if you're gonna get in at three. But but take care of your chassis and do and do what's necessary to make sure that you can give it your hundred percent. I feel like every day I'll be giving like ah ah attacking the world, like you know, like uh, who's who's the guy. Uh, Ravish, no, not ravishing Rick Rude. Who's the guy? Woo! Uh, heck, oh, no, Rick, 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 Rick Flair. You feel what I'm saying? No, I'll be feeling like that every day. Like, woo! Let's go! You know? No, real quick, I just want to add to your uh, your thing. You mentioned uh, Hannibal. Yeah. 
Yeah, you was you was dropping some you dropping some seeds. Hannibal, um, but my my last name is Scipio. Uh-huh. A lot of people always ask me where I get that from. You know where I get that from. Some people even ask me is this a stage name? Like no, it's legit. My last name, Scipio uh, Africanus, was the Roman yeah. general that defeated Hannibal. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I've heard, I, now now that you, yeah, exactly. So he's like, yeah, I'm on Hannibal's helmet right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but for yeah. real, I mean, I I just feel like, dude, we, we this the same planet that the samurais and the knights at a round table and the pharaohs like. It's all it's been rotating in the exact same way. They may have had different technology, but we got access to so much shit. So much. How, like how can how can we not be great? You know? And and I think that I mean, you know, I, I didn't want to get to no racial shit but like that. Like, come on, we we the originals, like we have all of us are the original, all human beings. We have unbroken for you to be here, you have an unbroken bloodline from the very first humans. So look how much shit is inside of you with your ancestors, just your direct ancestors, let alone when you start going back, it's so much inside of you. Like there's a whole universe inside of you. Tap into that shit. And that, you know, it might mean, you know, some people use psychedelics, some people use meditation, whatever it is, get to it. And the earlier you get to it, like all I worry, when I look at my kids, I'd be like, why the fuck is you walking? You can fly. But if you don't tell them, if they don't know that they can fly, they yeah. just gonna walk around for a long time until they start realizing like, oh shit, I could really fly. And it, it, it's, I'm an impatient person. And it's frustrating. One of the frustrating parts of having younger kids is trying to get them to take that leap and really, and really fly. And I think that my mom did a fantastic job in letting us know that the potential that was inside of us and unlocking it through presenting us with certain things, through making us read, through, you know, I didn't have TV till sixth grade. So I didn't, you know, like even like until I started going to school with white people, I didn't even know white people existed. Like yeah, I just thought there was light skinned black people, you know, like I didn't, I didn't understand that there was a, you know, I didn't understand there was a racial like war or whatever you want to call it. There was all these <laughs> issues because my mom was just like, that's not important for you to know right now. Right now, build your imagination, read these books and understand that the world is vast. And, and I, I, I hip hop, I think, and comedy too, like the, the arts are some of the ways that you tap into this long line and this long lineage of, of ancestors and bloodline and all these things. Yeah. And, and it opens up things like it, it, it refills us when a lot of things empty out our cups. So I'm fortunate that, and Hyro, I think we're fortunate that we had something to refill us when everything around us was like draining from our cups, you know? And, and it still does to this day. I just dropped a single with Cool G Rap. I, I'm 45. Like I just dropped a single with Cool G Rap. I think he's 52. I think it's some of the illest rhymes either of us have kicked. And I'm like, I feel giddy and like a kid doing that. And, and I'm so happy that I have hip hop to even make me feel that way. Cause we're so over, we're inundated and overexposed that we, some, nothing excites us anymore. You know what I'm saying? No, you know, you look, you watch porn. Now you need six chicks and a horse to come in the room to really get you inside. You know what I'm saying? No, so it's the same. We're, 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 we're desensitized, right? But hip hop to me, when I hear like a, a ill Kendrick verse or, you know, something raw by, by, you know, any casual or something like that, it gives me that same feeling that it did when I heard uh, Rapper's Delight or, or The Message or something. So I'm hella happy that I have something that, refills my cup and then that shit is free like it comes out of my body for free whenever i feel like it 
that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, top five. I, I mentioned. Oh, oh go ahead. No, you go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead. I was gonna say I mentioned this. Uh, we actually had a uh, casual on. Uh, was it? I don't even know. That was last year, huh? No, that was this year. Um, yeah, uh, I mentioned this to him, but I was going to ask, are you aware that uh, uh, Eminem and uh, Andre 3000 had an article about yeah. whenever they link up, they pretty much the main thing they geek out over is y'all lyrics. Yeah, I, I mean, I that's what you thought of that. That's the greatest honor, man. You think about Eminem and Andre 3000, arguably everybody's two favorite rappers, you know, most people's two favorite rappers and us being some of their favorite rappers is an, is an honor because... When, I, when we talk about, everybody uses this term culture and stuff, but when we talk about affecting culture and moving culture, the fact that we could even have participated in their greatness is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and the fact that we all are still doing our thing, you know, mm -hmm. from, I mean, you know, like Andre got shit. Like, he might be the wandering flutes man right now. <laughs> he saw that. <laughs> but, but I'm saying, like, please believe he he has, like, he's like Prince. He got music, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. whether or not he'll ever put it out, that's on him. That's his that's his prerogative. But I'm mm -hmm. saying he got shit. Eminem got shit, you know. Hyro, mm -hmm. we, we still got shit. So it, 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 it's just great to be part of that, that, that whole thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it would be like... Uh, you look at the greatness that is LeBron James and you know how LeBron James probably feel about Kobe or, or Jordan, or you look at the greatness as Kobe and co how Kobe felt about Jordan and all the happiness and, and, and good times and, and, and just greatness that has come from their examples, just playing a game mm -hmm. like the, it, it, to be one of those individuals that, that, that can inspire that level of, of, of sportsmanship, and I'm saying hip hop sportsmanship or just plain old hoop sport and whatever is is a great honor. It's almost a greater honor than people just liking my music because mm -hmm. when you're when your peers are saying, "Hey, you were instrumental in the formation of this great shit that I did," that that's like, damn, like wow, I'm 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 happy for you, and you know, and I, I and I'm happy for me too, and I'm happy to be part of it. So yeah, it's a it's a great honor. I, I think that's one of the biggest accolades. Period, because you know, your kids, you know, your kids don't give you know, like nigga, you, you rap, dad. All right, you rap. I get it. Okay, yeah. higher old day. Yeah, you guys have a holiday, whatever. But then when they're like, oh, Eminem, you know, I've had I've had so many people reach out over that that had no idea. Now we always knew, you know, because they've they've never been they've never hidden it, you know, they they've never been like standoffish or funny. They've always been like, yo. We fucks with y'all tough, you know. Mm -hmm. We met Eminem right before he came out to be in the Rap Olympics, and he opened mm. for us in Detroit, mm. you know. Then we heard him bust and everything, and he was like, "Yo, it catches ill out there." I don't know, and we was like, "Man, you about to, you about to do your thing, dude. Like, mm. don't worry." And this is like literally weeks before he moved out to L.A. and did wow. the thing and was discovered by Dre. And he, I mean, him and Pre, he said him and Proof like really fuck with us tough, you know what I mean? Mm. So it's. We've always known, but to hear it also being displayed in a forum that's a worldwide forum, you know, with the Rick Rubin thing and all that, it is it, great because you can you sound like a madman when when uh, when you say, you know, we Eminem, you know, Eminem, we outcast favorite rappers or Kanye, you know, Kanye really, you know, he's one of his favorite rappers, and, you know, and I, you know, I'm talking to my kids or you know, or other people, 
And they're like, yeah, how come we've never yeah. heard of you? How come <laughs> we've never, where's your gold? Where's your Bentley? And I'm like, oh, well, we, we a different kind of rapper. You know, uh, you just sound, but you sound like a madman if they don't give you those accolades publicly, right? You just sound like, right. oh, Kelly, you Kanye's favorite group, huh? But you know, when he gets on MTV and he's like, yo, I love these guys, you know, or when, or when that, it, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling because you validated and we wasn't looking for the validation. Right, but right when, that, yeah. that damn there makes it even sweeter because it's like, yeah. I wasn't even looking for that. And damn, now I got radio contacting me, uh, internet cats contacting me, new fans, et cetera. Just because, you know, and, and the music, fortunately or unfortunately, the music doesn't, it hasn't evolved in a way that it's so far different from what we were making in 93. Right, right, right. That, like when kids discover us now, they don't, I, I really have fans that think I was born in 93. And that's crazy. <laughs> but there's no content. They only see us as young men on, on the, uh, in the video. Uh -huh. They were born in 93, so now they're 26. They got facial hair and all these things. <laughs> so, you know, I'm bald like I was bald then. So they really don't get the concept like, nah, yo, I was your age back then. <laughs> so, but they listen to it like it's current. They're not listening to it like oldies because it's not like, it's, it's almost like how jazz is. You can listen to a Thelonious Monk record or something like that or, or you know, uh, uh, anything, uh, uh, Coltrane record, and you're not going to be like, Oh, this is old jazz. You're gonna be like, this is damn, this is wow, this is mind blowing. It's, it's you're not gonna feel like this sounds old because they were they, were, you know, they just they were so far ahead. Right, right. Well, tell me this, Tajay. We gonna wrap it up, and I just want to know this: your top five MC. Ooh. Don't have to be in order. It does Can not I do have 10? to be in order. <laughs> top four. Top four, G-Rap, Rakim, Kane, KRS, any order. I'm, I'm, I'm 45, so it's just, that's my, those are my top four. I can't, I can't mix that up. And then I would say number five, ooh, LL, probably LL. That's what I thought you was going to say. I should have guessed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so LL, LL G-Rap, like, you, you, you cannot leave LL out of that list. Yeah. Like, sorry. For, for me, that's me, though. You know, LL, yeah, G-Rap, yeah. Kane, Rakim, and, and KRS. That sound about if right. I, if I had and 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 all of them, one verse will make them number one. I look at it kind of like sports. So certain songs are like, remember that game when he did this or he did the behind the did it back dunk or whatever. So there's no, I wouldn't say who is who is number one. Kane for a long time was my favorite rapper, but like, can you put Kane ahead of G Rap? Can you put Kane ahead of LL? You know, like how how do you slice it? So that's my top five: Rakim, G Rap, Kane, KRS, LL. What projects you want us to look out for? I've seen you in uh that that super dope DJ producer uh uh break beat Lou. I've seen oh, you yeah. guys pop up in the same space uh, several times on uh, yeah. social media in the last couple of few. You got anything you want to share with us about that project? Okay, yeah. Well, me and break beat Lou are working on a record called The Hop. So when we grew up on hip hop, it like you knew you might fight at the club, but for sure you knew you was finna dance. Period. Period. I don't, you know, like all that, the gangsters was dancing too. You know what I'm saying? Though everybody was like, man, we finna go down to the, the cause I mean this, I'm younger than, it's before the club, oh, I'm a kid. So we going to this party, it's finna be chicks there. We finna groove, you knew, you brought a towel cause you knew you was finna be sweating and everything. So the hop yeah. is really me and break beat loose saying, hey, let's put the movement back in the hip hop. Let's, it doesn't all need to be head nod music right now. I mean, they got rap now with no drums and shit where I'm just like, I like it, but it's it's not 
is not something that I'm a cut a rug to. So we want to make some music. Like I, we got a joint on there with Lizette Melendez, like a freestyle sound and stuff. I got some hip house on there, just more uptown, up tempo. So, but that's coming later. The next project I'm dropping is called Black Tech and it's me and the architect. And so we've dropped two singles off of that. The last single, uh, the remix has G-Rap on it. I got some super special uh, features on there that I don't, I don't want to jinx by speaking about too early, but you'll be surprised uh, who, who's on the record. And so, so Black Tech is next, and then I'm gonna come out with the hot. Nah, that's. Tight. And then, oh yeah, I got the rap noir movie. So I'm making a movie. I got a, a, an artist named Fam Cirque. He's got a record called Killing Me, as R&B record. And then I've got rap noir. So we're gonna make a film noir, sort of silent film where our albums are the score. And that, and I'm, I'm recording that. If you need it's a silent, actor, if you need it's a silent. SAG actor in the in the film, you know. <laughs> I'm sad. You want to I'm come sad. to the town? Yeah, we're filming next 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 uh next weekend. But it's 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 three days, 26 vignettes, and, and we're trying to really uh you know do something visually, visually stunning, but the, but that you can get into these records and look at them in a different different perspective. I think a lot of times people now don't just listen to music, they watch music. So trying to give them what they want and make something that hopefully they'll get on Adult Slam or Showtime or Netflix, just to have some kind of uh a way for people to connect to the record besides just listening to it. Since I, I didn't realize this, but young people don't just listen to albums. Like they don't even know who they're listening to a lot of times. They'll like a, yeah. they put a playlist on, they'll yeah. play that playlist over and over, but they'll never yeah. even worry about who the artist is. Yeah. I, I'm more like, if I like a song on a playlist, I'm gonna find the artist, then I'm gonna get all the albums, then I'm gonna listen to the albums, not even mixed up, like as separate projects, but that you gotta, you gotta meet people where they are. Nah, tight. So, uh, anybody you want to shout out? Anything you you want us to to, to peep? Oh, let me see. Ah, uh, it was something I just. Ooh, I like that new Sal Rock record, Sharecropper's Daughter. I I, I think that's a, a really dope record. Um, Latif, uh, my home from Latirix. Yeah, he's got a, a a record called Roots and Things, where it's just like some new kind of music. It's just a mixture of all kind of stuff. Uh. Casual, make sure you get that big head science. And he got another Ooh. record coming. Yeah, that big is crazy. Casual to me is the best rapper. You feel what I'm saying though? Like, I don't, I don't think nobody can see Cas right now. I mean, he's got a rap, he's got a song called Duara or Tuara in Metuneta. So he's rhyming in hieroglyphics. Mm. And he's literally in rhyming in hieroglyphics. You know what I'm saying though? Like, oh, wow, wow. He, it's just a, he's, a, he's on, a, on another level. So um, that casual big head science, A plus uh, chamber games. You know, uh, Op Opio and Breakbeat Lou got a new record coming out, man. I, I can't, I don't even want to talk about what's going on with them because I don't know when they're rolling it out. But, yeah. Op man, Ope's catalog to me is one of my favorite catalogs in hieroglyphics. Like his, 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 uh, his comic book series, you know, separate from Souls of Mischief, like he ain't made no missteps, man. He, he has great music. Mm, and, um, Vulture's Wisdom, man. Yeah, Vulture's Wisdom, that Triangulation Station. Like, yeah. I really like how Opio stuff's been coming out, and um, hopefully we're working on a new Hyrule record, man. You know, like the 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 whole click we hear is COVID. We might as well rap. Come on, rap, rap yeah. and vote. Get that, get that uh, Andre three thousand feature. <laughs> I want to, I want to just catch Dre in real life, sit down with him, and see where see see where his head's at. But um, I know for a fact that he has some shit, like a lot mm -hmm. of shit. And, and mm. really, I think he just needs to get to the level where 
he's comfortable with it. And I think that's with a lot of greats, you're, you're your own worst critic, right? He's his own worst critic. And I respect that. And I don't think that anything should come out before it's time. You know, like Prince had a vault full of music and what didn't come out, I'm not sure if it needs to come out. You know, that doesn't mean if somebody had access to it, I wouldn't listen to it, you know, but if, if, if the artist didn't want it to come out, I'm not, it's like, I, I respect that. You know, it doesn't have to come out posthumously. I think we're turning into um, content vultures, kind of. Yeah. We just need more yes. content. Wow, more content, and we're consuming yes. it, consuming it. But we're just yes. getting fat. We're not. We're not even. We're not working out with it, and lifting with it, and giving it time yes. no, for it to it You know. But I know I, I would love to do a song with Dre Three Thousand. You mm. know what I'm saying though? I would love to do a song with him and Kendrick. If I could do a track with him and Kendrick. Man, Whoa. come on, that's bucket list. That's yeah. powerful uh, spells you casting right there. <laughs> that's powerful stuff you putting, out, you putting out into the universe, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go. And you, Jeremy, anything you want to shout out before we uh, wrap it up? Uh, I would say on the uh, 17th, uh, October 17th, uh, I'm going to be uh, I'm hosting a show at the American Barbershop. Uh, it's got some uh, dope comics. It's like, well, uh, more one of the more higher profile shows been all year really but um yeah that'll be um it's like uh it's a show called comedians you should know and a show called classics they're combining to put on this live stand-up covid safe comedy show that i'll be hosting some names like jermaine fowler anyway some dope ass people will be on there anyway check me on that cool cool well no man i want to thank you tajay for giving me uh some of your time fresh out of class man uh yeah i got beat up today <laughs> in front of a lot of people too it's, it's, it's rough <laughs> you, man, you man enough to admit it though that's the first part you know what I'm saying to uh, hop in the hurdle you know what I'm yeah, saying yeah nah, man I, appreciate you dude I'm glad you're doing this smooch I, I think a lot of cats don't know how hard you be rocking behind the scenes but you're a humble dude you, you keep it on the humble mm. so I'll, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you stay uh you know, in the shadows, getting your bread, you know? Sure. Amen. Amen. <laughs> as long as I can reach back and touch you every time one of these little projects drop so we can yes, have sir. a... Because really, it's like, this should have probably been like a three or a four-part comic because it's just so much with the history yeah. and everything, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But no, nah, I appreciate it, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it on this, dude. You need to do something for people with low attention span. Just <laughs> help, them, help them get motivated. To just the first couple of steps in the right direction, you yeah. know. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about trying to write something, but I'm, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not where I want to be. You know, I'm happy where I am, but I'm not where I want to be. But there's no time I think that you're ever going to be like, yes, this is the time to start writing. So right, I'm, right, right. I'm trying to do something, and it's not. It'll maybe have autobiograph autobiographical components to it, but mm -hmm. it'll be more so a manual. You know, because mm -hmm. I feel like. I, my my light like dude. I'm a guy who from Oakland. Like, you know, I live probably 30 blocks from where I grew up. You know, like so. My life, I've done some cool things, but I think that uh, the process behind it is more important than the actual things mm. and events. You know, and and if if I can help people with my process, because like I was diagnosed with ADD. I still graduated from Stanford and Berkeley. You know, with honors, wow. and, I, and I've been able to you know, run several businesses and do all that. So I'm almost, I feel like I've used the ADD to my advantage. So maybe, it, like you said, it is something where steps to get get the ball rolling. And then once the ball is rolling, the momentum will take you where you Damn. need to go. Cool. Well, no, man, stay safe, Tajay, and I'll reach back okay. out.